you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hi, this is Commissioner Roger Goodell, and this is the NFL Report. This is the NFL Report. I'm Steve White with my guy, James Palmer. James, this is kind of the lull week before the Super Bowl, but not here on the NFL Report. No, we have plenty coming up. No. We have got no. Mitchell Schwartz, a former offensive lineman for the Kansas City Love Chiefs him. who played in the Super Bowl. He'll be here. We've got our own Brian Baldinger. You know what it is, Baldy favorite films. And Jeff Chadia. Oh, all season long he was talking about the MVP week to week. But we've got all kind of postseason awards, JP. I love it. I love I love when we battle it out with Jeff. That's my favorite thing to do. It usually, you know, somehow involves Michigan and Ohio State, which is my least favorite part. And speaking <laughs> of Michigan and Ohio State, an Ohio State alumni in Nick Bosa had some really interesting words for Brock Purdy in the locker room after the NFC Championship game. So the fact that you just are doing this blows my mind. All of us, bro. Yeah. All of us. It's crazy. Did you think you'd be this good? I think I've asked these before. I know, but did you, like, how much confidence did you have? That was the second pick of the draft, and I lacked confidence. I part about the game, but... Oh, I met your brother. Oh, man, you know, that was that was Nick Bosa and Brock Purdy. That's you know, awesome. That's, it was just incredible. I mean, that sound aired um, on Inside the NFL. Just... Just a great sound. And, JP, you know, that was right after the game where Bosa's talking about saying to Brock, did you know you are going to be this good? How much confidence did you have? Because I was the second overall pick, and I lacked confidence. And this is game-recognizing game. I mean, this is a QB hunter. For sure. Going up to the guy that they're going to be leaning on to win them a Lombardi trophy in, in just a, a really special moment, man. I'm just, that, that, that video, I was like, we've got to get mm-hmm. that on the show. Yeah, it, it, was, it was something, Steve. It really was. It was kind of that fly on the wall that we're always shooting for, where we can take these moments and kind of peel back the curtain for fans and just kind of show the interaction between a guy that probably makes as much money as Nick Bosa does in one game uh, in his season. Right. But he is carrying this entire offense, Steve, in Brock Purdy. He's maybe your MVP for the year. So let me ask you this question. It's going to be Brock Purdy versus Steve Spagnolo, And Steve Spagnolo, we trust one of the best DCs in all of football, and is on a red-hot streak right now. How do you see that matchup going down? Well, this is tough because very few quarterbacks have succeeded against East Bagnolo and all that talent on the Chiefs' defense. I mean, Kansas City is here because of its defense. But the one thing yeah. we've seen out of Brock Purdy, and, I, and I'm going to ask Baldy uh, about this a little bit later on, is the composure, right? People are going to say, oh, he's a second-year QB. This is the big moment for him. For the first time he stepped on a field, it was a big moment for him. He was Mr. Irrelevant. And you have seen, <laughs> even taking from that, that sound we just played with Nick Bosa, like, man, this guy doesn't cease to amaze me. Now, he is going to have some tough times. This defense gets after everybody. How will he respond? He's had his bad moment. He had that against the Ravens where he got the yips through all those interceptions, and we haven't seen him perform like that since. So I think, again, if he understands that they're not going to score every drive, that sometimes he's going to have to take a sack or a punt and let their defense do its thing and maybe get him a shorter field if they can, that's going to be the big thing. This is going to be a challenge for Brock Purdy, like no challenge he's faced. But, again, I don't think he's, he'll buckle because we've seen in the playoffs in these two games how he's responded to adversity, JP, and he's going to have to respond to a lot of it in the Super Bowl. He didn't buckle in his very first start when he came in for Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that was against the Miami Dolphins team that just blitzed him mercifully as soon as he got onto the field. 
And Kyle Shanahan thought he handled that brilliantly right from the start. I think it's his mind that obviously we're all focused on. Remember, I know the you know the S2 test has been really scrutinized after C.J. Stroud and, and what <laughs> happened with him this year. But his scores were through the roof. Brock Purdy's were right up there with Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes in terms of how he processes information. I think he's going to need to do that and rely on that very early with all the different looks Steve Spagnuolo gives you in terms of the pressure he brings you. What I do want to see is if he starts better and that's what the Chiefs have banked on in the postseason is getting these quarterbacks to maybe make a mistake early it's what they wanted to bank on with Lamar Jackson Steve that it was his first time in an AFC title game maybe he'll make a mistake early maybe he'll try to do too much early and we can capitalize Lamar turned it over three times I mean well the offense for three times he had two of them that's what they're going to look to do to Brock Purdy early does he get off to a better start than what we saw in the last couple of postseason games all right let's move this one on to another matchup this is one of your favorite ones Steve Legere Darius Sneed, maybe the best oh. corner in football, versus Debo Samuel. Oh, baby. Because we know he shadows the number one wide receiver regularly, Steve. What do you see here with this matchup? I, I can't see I can't see him being able to do that. That's because Kyle Shanahan is not going to have Debo play as, on a, as a static receiver. He's going to move him all over no. the field. Remember, Debo plays in the slot. Sometimes he lines up as a motion running back. Sometimes he lines up wide. They fake the screens. They do all kinds of things. Debo is actually going to be a coverage dictator. Where they line him up and how Snead plays, mm. plays him or doesn't play him is going to tell Brock Purdy, who you said processes, hey, check into a run here, check into a different pass pattern here because of Debo. He's going to be used as that chip, again, that's going to determine where Legereus Snead, a great player, plays or doesn't play, and that's going to tell Brock Purdy in this offense what to do. I love it, Steve. Remember what, what well, Jerry Sneed has done this entire season, and that has been get physical with wide receivers at the line of scrimmage. I want to see him get physical with Debo Samuel at the line of scrimmage because that's what LJ kind of hangs his hat on. That's going to be the battle to see. But also, I could see him on Brandon Ayuk plenty. That, that is a Ooh. number one type wide receiver yeah. that you could see him lining up against uh, regularly in this game. It's going to be fascinating to see how Steve Spagnuolo dials things up for these entire group of skill position players that, that Kyle Shanahan has at his disposal. How about Travis Kelsey versus these Niners linebackers, Steve? Yeah, this is this is to me, this is a huge edge for Kelsey. Not so much because Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw can't handle him, but the Niners DBs are small. Ever since Talano Hufanga went out with that season-ending knee injury, they are smaller defensive backs. Now, they played against big tight ends, but I think the coverage is going to come down to the linebackers, and that's where Kelsey, we've saw it against the Ravens and a couple other times, a route like this where he took Kyle Hamilton outside, took him out of his comfort zone in the mm -hmm. middle of the field and had some favorable matchups. So I think we're going to see the Chiefs do that. If you see the, the Niners linebackers, again, Greenlaw and Warner match up against him. I think the formation we're going to keep our eye on, Steve, with this is when the Kansas City Chiefs put three tight ends on the field. Ooh. They've been doing this in the back end of the season, in the postseason. That allows them to do exactly what you just said. They can put Travis Kelsey out wider where somebody is not as comfortable usually, whether it is a safety or a linebacker, in playing out in space. Because what happens is if you keep multiple linebackers on the field, and the Chiefs have told me this, we are going to throw out of that regularly and then these linebackers are going to be in coverage and then if you take those linebackers off the field you mentioned the size of the guys in the secondary that's when you see Isaiah Pacheco and they run the football consistently but Fred Warner has been playing out of his mind oh I think gosh. he's been absolutely phenomenal uh, and I think you're going to talk about him in this show a little bit further let's go with one more Steve and let's stick with the linebacker spot and flip it a little bit strike that reverse it Willy Wonka how about Christian McCaffrey versus the linebackers of the Kansas City Chiefs. What an incredible matchup because, JP, we've been talking for weeks about the speed and the coverage ability of these Chiefs linebackers. But Christian McCaffrey is a mm -hmm. different monster because he's also physical. There's nothing he can't do. He's excellent, as we're seeing here, in the tight red zone, inside the 10-yard line, near the goal line, mm. getting into the end zone. This is a tough matchup. I know the Chiefs have the personnel, but, they again, they can scheme him into situations where he's one-on-one -on -one where the speed and physicality gives him the edge. I'm very curious to see which linebackers play where 
and when for Steve Spagnuolo because they believe all of them can play. We'll see if Willie Gay can return. He's probably the most athletic sideline-to-sideline guy they have in the middle of the field as well. But all of these guys can play it. And Drew Tranquil and Nick Bolton on the field together, they kind of put two Mike linebackers out there calling each side of the defense. That is difficult on an offense to figure out what's happening. So who's on the field and when they're on the field is going to be a fascinating part for that matchup, Steve. JP, they can both run. You know what? You killed it so much in that segment. I'm never going to ask you, if you knew you would be this good. Coming up next, Patrick Mahomes <laughs> and the Chiefs. How do they win? What's the secret sauce? Oh, no, we're going to ask Mitchell Schwartz, who protected Patrick Mahomes for years, when we're back on the NFL Report. It's also Let's a go. podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. It's time for the lead block presented by T-Mobile for Business. A sport as fast as football deserves America's fastest 5G network. Businesses go further with T-Mobile for business. Oh! Hey, let's go! How bad do you want it? Mahomes to throw against a four-man rush. Fires it near side to Kelsey. Comes back to the ball. Go all day, boy. Great job! Good tackle, boy! You can doubt the Chiefs. You can disrespect the Chiefs. You're going to have to deal with the Chiefs. Yeah! Hey, hell of a year, man. Hell of a year, man. Hell of a player. Ugh. I love you, brother. Damn, it never fight, gets baby. old, man. Hell it never no. gets old. Welcome back to the NFL Report. Steve Weitz, James Palmer with you. We are now with Super Bowl champion, former Chiefs right tackle, yeah. Mitchell Schwartz, the thorn, Steve, in Vaughn Miller's side. Vaughn could just <laughs> never figure out the way Mitch played. Mitch was brilliant against one of the best pass rushers we've ever seen. It was awesome, a matchup to watch repeatedly in that AFC West. Mitch, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I miss those days playing him. Not the stress that came with playing him, but it was a fun <laughs> matchup. Hey, hey, Mitch, as we get started, I mean, just as kind of, this is kind of a, a, a tone setter. What is Andy Reid? I mean, both teams are going through it, but this bye week, this kind of prep week, what are these players going through? What are the coaches going through? So when they get to Las Vegas or the side of the Super Bowl, when there's all these other expectations and demands, that the groundwork has pretty much been laid. So this is actually a much different, you know, quote unquote, bye week for Andy Reid than his normal bye weeks. I think we all know the record coming out of a bye, how good he's been. And he usually gives guys the full week off, you know, back when he first started doing it. I don't know what the CBA allowed. These days, you, you have to take at least four consecutive days off in a row. But he'll basically have you in for a Monday meeting, kind of go over things and, you know, see you next Monday, be safe, you know, try to work out a couple times if you can. This week is is the complete opposite. You know, he has you in and it's basically a game plan week. Now, it's not like the full schedule of what a typical Monday through Saturday would look like, but um, he wants you to get all your kind of incidental stuff in terms of planning and tickets and hotels, you know, all that stuff should be done by the end of today. Uh, just kind of get it out of the way, then you don't have to worry about it for the next week and a half. And then you turn the page on that and come tomorrow. It's almost like an in-season Wednesday, Thursday, Friday in terms of what a game plan would look like. So by Saturday, the end of Saturday, you've gone through what you normally would go through in terms of a full game plan against the opposing team. So you can, you know, take your travel day on, on Sunday, get down to Vegas for, for the team this year. And then on Monday, you can start up and you're not starting from scratch. You know, it's not like a, a normal bye week where you're kind of coming in fresh and now you're going <laughs> to turn your eyes on what the opponent's going to do. You're, you're going to get to the site and you're going to have had a full week of preparation already in. And so the, the game plan obviously changes a little bit and there's some tweaks. And, you know, we actually didn't like the way this thing looked last week. And, you know, maybe Pat likes this thing better and Travis is better at this thing. And you watch a little more film and you find another towel or another little key and, and you alternate. Um, but you're, you're getting to the site and you've got a full week of practice and that full understanding of, of the team you're going against. And so it's actually a, a pretty cool way to do it, uh, you know, a little different than most of the guys are used to in terms of what a normal buy is. And so um, more more work than you're used to, but also makes the week of the Super Bowl a lot more um, easy flowing. And with all the distractions down there, that's that's what you need. Mitchell, you've been through a, a Super Bowl week once you get to site. 
with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. I'm just thinking of their offensive minds. You mentioned some some tinkering that may happen, but but are those two kind of just is it always going, even though there is a game plan in? How much changing do you see them kind of moving around, even though everything's in place before they get there? Those last several practices. Yeah, it, it's really a commitment to the game plan and to to making sure that whatever is in is working the way it's intended and to make sure that everyone feels good about the way things go. I think you see it in the opposite direction a lot of time when coaches get too much time on their hands. They try to do too much. They watch too much film. And like, oh, this thing would be great. And this team did this a couple of years ago. But there's a reason coach has the record he does coming off of extra time because he is, is so good at the initial game plan in, in any normal situation. We obviously know he's one of the best coaches and offensive minds of all time. But you give him extra time and it's not like he's trying to do too much. It just gives him more preparation to hone in on those small details and, and ways mm. he can exploit the defense. So those guys can't shut it off. I mean, they they are so good at what they do because their mind is always churning and they're always trying to look for that edge and watching more film and all that stuff. But they also have such an incredible ability to not tinker and to not kind of mess with the foundation that they build uh, when they do have the extra time. And so uh, there's a little bit of a blend of some new stuff. But for the most part, it's just kind of trusting the initial game plan, trusting what you've seen on film and knowing that, hey, we've now prepped this for two weeks, so we're even more prepared. Uh, you know, I'm so glad you said that because we have seen it's the – paralysis by overanalysis because of the additional time. I want to go to something you looked at, the offensive line. We saw during the season, you know, they had the penalties. They, they you know, had issues in pass pro. But over the past month, with the commitment to the run, they really have seemed to kind of come together. And you don't see those mistakes that you saw. Do you attribute that to maybe them running the ball more? I mean, Andy Reid has committed to the run in the playoffs where they've got 56 runs the past two games. Do you think that has helped this offensive line come together? It's a great point because I think the biggest difference in watching this team over the past month from that Raiders game is the offensive line and how well they're playing and how physical they're playing up front. And there's a little bit of a give and take in terms of the run game. You know, coach is going to call his runs. Obviously, he's historically been a, a pass heavy guy compared to some others. But he likes to call his runs. He likes to challenge the O-line. He gets into critical situations and, and he'll put it on the offensive line's back. But the O-line has to succeed and you have to make coach want to keep calling runs. You know, if you start the game plan and you're saying, hey, we're going to run, you know, six out of the first eight plays. We're going to establish our physicality. We're going to put it on him. With those six runs only get you, you know, eight, nine, 10, 12 yards. He's not going to keep calling it. You know, he's not he's not a dumb guy. He's going to go with what's working. And so it, it works both ways. I'm sure he challenged the offensive line. Hey, we need to step up our game. We need to get back to being as physical as we know how to be, especially come playoff football, because, you know, most of the playoffs are going to be won in the offensive and defensive lines. And then the O-line has taken that challenge on themselves, and they've shown that coach should keep calling runs, and we're going to have success doing it, and we're going to be able to establish the game that way. And uh, as you mentioned, you know, we haven't really seen the false starts. We haven't seen the procedural penalties. There's been a couple, you know, physical penalties, the holding stuff. I mean, the second one last week on Trey, I would argue, is a, a pretty poor call, even though I know what the official is seeing. Mm, on the um, screen. But this team, yeah, this, this, this team is now also – this is how they're different. They're good enough to overcome a mistake. They're good enough to overcome a couple of mistakes where earlier in the season, you know, you had a fumble and a holding call and that ruins two drives and the team wasn't good enough to overcome that and still win the game. But at this point, the team is good enough to do that. And that has been a, a really fun aspect to watch as well. Mitchell, you were day in, day out with Patrick Mahomes for several years, putting up numbers that were just blowing our minds. This offense was high flying and it was going deep and it was unbelievable to watch. But last week, Travis Kelsey said right now, with everything that this offense has been through, is the best he's ever seen Patrick Mahomes play right now, even though the numbers aren't what you played with. Being as close to studying this team as you are, Mitch, like, is Pat at a different level right now with everything that he's kind of found a way to overcome? Take us inside the day-to-day -day with him in, in terms of how he finds ways to win. I think so, and this is honestly a point I've made over the past few years is these quarterbacks keep improving mentally, and you know you can kind of keep improving, not maybe not linearly, but as a quarterback, you just keep banking experience and experience and experience, and you get to a point where you can watch all the film that you typically do, but there's just like a feeling in your body that I might not have seen this, but you know, a few years ago, this team got me on this thing and I just know how to react in the moment. And when Pat was lighting up the league his first few years, he didn't have all that experience. You know, we talk about 
these kind of older quarterbacks to become so quick with their decision making, you know, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. Well, we talk about that once they get into their 30s mm-hmm. and Pat's still in his late 20s. So he's right. going to keep improving mentally. And so that's what Travis <laughs> is talking about. That mental game has continued to improve. And I would argue that the physical game, the rest of the offense, you know, I wouldn't say regress, but it's different than it used to be and maybe not quite as easy as it used to be. And guys aren't quite as open and not as much space created and defenses know how to defend this particular offense a little bit better. So he's able to blend the mental aspect of six years of playing football now and six AFC championship games, four Super Bowls with all the physical traits. And (laughs) there have been a couple rough times, you know, a few years ago, the start of the season and you know, kind of the too high shell look and the right. Chiefs, you know, solving it, quote unquote. And he had to change his game a little bit in that perspective. This year, you know, some rough patches with the receiver room, with the offensive line room, with really the entire offense not being on the same page and, you know, guys taking turns making mistakes. He's had to overcome that as well. And so he's able to take, you know, for him, what looks like a, a bad stretch is still really MVP level football. And Combine that with his mm-hmm. otherworldly mental capabilities. And so I do think this is the best version of him because he's got the most experience he has. You know, physically, guys are typically in their prime at the age that he is. He's probably as healthy as he's ever been in the playoffs. And we've seen this over three weeks. He's been, I'm not going to say flawless, but he's been pretty close to flawless, especially from a physical perspective when you look mm-hmm. at where he's putting the ball and how he's kind of throwing guys open. And in case in point, that first touchdown to Travis. And Mitch, you talk about the experience. We, the last question here, we only have about 90 seconds. But Pat said after that game, he doesn't have to do certain things because he knows he has the defense to bail him out. This is a defensive team. The Chiefs are here because of their defense. What about what you see from Chris Jones and some of those guys at all three levels that gives you, I don't know, faith that they can stop this 49ers offense and get another Super Bowl? I think the physicality that they're playing with on all three levels, you know, typically – a defense has a strong suit and maybe it's the defensive line. You know, when we've faced San Francisco the first time five years ago now, it was their defensive line. You know, their their secondary was awesome, but the defensive line was the calling part. Well, with the Chiefs, you know, they're able to do that on all three levels. They do have a great D-line and Chris Jones leading that. You know, Bolton, the way Drew Tranquil is playing, you know, William assuming he's going to play. And on the back end at this point, you know, Snead and McDuffie and Justin Reed and those guys have started to get the recognition mm-hmm. they deserve and their ability to Play that position that, you know, typically doesn't necessarily come with physicality, but play it in a certain way um, that makes guys not necessarily want to, you know, try to run them over every single time and and playing it in a way that receivers are going to get tired of. I think it's just really special. And so they're able to blend Spags's really cool scheme with their ability and their physicality. And it's all coalesced into, you know, an awesome league leading defense. Great, Mitch. Real quick, 30 seconds. Your thoughts on Trent Williams, the left tackle for the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. I mean, stud. He's he he does things different than everybody else because he can, because he's that good. He's 6'5", 330, and he ran a 4'8", and he's like 36 years old now and probably only, you know, runs a 4'9". He probably got, you know, one-tenth of a second slower. Um, it's just it's awesome watching him. You know, it sucks that our guys have to go against him and uh, have to root against him this week. But it's, it's as an offensive line guy, it's so fun watching people of his level to combine the skill, the athleticism, the, the mental capabilities, and just like the pure brute force that he plays with. Awesome. Awesome. Mitch, you when you played, you were one of my favorite people to go to that corner of that Chiefs locker room, and I would just learn so much when you and I would go and talk, and I, I appreciate you coming on the show and, and joining us. Hopefully we see you in Vegas. I, I don't know, Mitch. What do you think? We'll see. Um, you know, still debating going down there or not. It's going to be quite a few people, and usually that's not necessarily my, uh, my forte, <laughs> but it's going to be a fun weekend. I, I know. see you down there. <laughs> That's a wrap for the lead block presented by T-Mobile for Business, a sport as fast as football deserves America's fastest 5G network. Businesses go further with T-Mobile for Business. Coming up on the NFL Report, Brock Purdy. Is he featured in Baldy's favorite films? You better believe it. But what part of his game did Baldy love in the NFC Championship game? Stay tuned to the NFL Report and find out. You're listening to the NFL Report podcast, but you can watch me, Steve Weich, and my co-host James Palmer on the NFL Report at 7.15 Eastern Time on Mondays and Thursdays on the NFL app and free streaming platforms on the NFL channel on Roku, Tubi, Peacock, Pluto TV, and other free streaming apps.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome into Baldy's Favorite Films. This week, Baldy's Favorite Films of the Week, the Championship Week. Steve, Baldy is here with us once again. I have my popcorn. And Baldy, let's start at the AFC Championship game, a game that we were both at in the linebacker position for the Kansas City Chiefs. They put four guys in there, and I remember having a conversation with their linebackers coach, Brendan Daly, pregame, where he said all four guys really can call this defense, yeah. can run this defense. Yep. There's no drop-off if Nick Bolton has to leave the field. It is a really deep group, and the Drew Tranquil signing might be one of the biggest small signings we saw in the NFL this year. I agree. I agree, James. And so they came out, and they played big linebackers. You know, they played Leo Chanel, Nick Bolton, Drew Tranquil. And they just they, they crashed the Ravens' party in the run game, and they just were not going to let them – shake loose. Now, Baltimore didn't stay with it very long, but it was a big part of Spaggy's game plan. And Drew Tranquil, like, you know, he led the team in tackles, eight solo tackles. He shadowed Lamar. He chased Lamar. When Lamar caught the pass that he threw, Lamar scores a touchdown if Drew Tranquil doesn't dive and tackle mm -hmm. those feet of his before he got going. I mean, it's kind of one of the hidden plays in the game. Um, his effort hustle because originally he was rushing a passer, and then he circled back, and then once he saw what Lamar was doing, like he was the last one to be able to get to Lamar on that play. Yeah, there was a whole lot of green in mm. front of Lamar. Isn't it crazy how Tranquil had such a productive season with the Chargers, and they just kind of let him go out there, and the Chiefs were yeah. like, thank you because we know what he did to us. Okay, Baldy, here, but here, here go, go ahead, JP. They were surprised, Steve. The, the Chiefs were very surprised that they were able to get Drew Tranquil. I I'm mean, sure they, they were, were blown away and jumped at the opportunity, I was told. <laughs> I'm sure they were. He's still the Chargers' best linebacker. He's still the best <laughs> linebacker. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, Baldy, but going into the Super Bowl, I mean, the, before, you know, before the game, you know, they lost uh, Derek Nadi. You know, he, he wasn't scheduled to play. He had the triceps injury. He suffered against the Dolphins. Yep. But then they lose Charles Amenehu, who has been crushing it mm. for the past few weeks. Against And then, you know, now they're getting ready to play his former team, the Niners, where he stood out big time in the postseason last year. That is a significant blow, especially since Amenehu would have been going up against Trent Williams in this game. No question about it. In fact, I did a little video on Charles. He, he hit me up after I did it. I felt bad because you're right. I mean, he was a former 49er. I thought I talked to J.J. Watt about it before the game, James, when I saw him down the field. And, you know, I thought when he went to San Francisco, mm -hmm. I thought Charles really took a, a step up with Kacarek coaching him. And then he, he hit free agency, and, and Kansas City said, we want this guy. He's an, he's an improving uh, player right now. His stock is on the rise, and he's been a situational pass rusher for him all year. He gets the ball out of Lamar's hands. I think he got hurt on that play. Yep. And now, after a really good postseason with the 49ers a year ago, He's not going to be able to play in this game. He's going to have to watch it. It's just one of those unfortunate things because I thought he played his best football in both San Francisco and then this year in Kansas City. Yeah, I was talking to him in the locker room, Baldy. He was very optimistic, hoping that this wasn't going to be major because he was like, after those games in the beginning of the season, he missed with the suspension. He was like, I'm just now figuring out what Spags wants to do with me. Yeah. And I'm being able to really click. And it's it's been a sack city down the stretch. But now they're playing without him and maybe – a little bit less getting after Brock Purdy, maybe more falls on your corners. And I had a conversation with Spags after the game. He said, I don't think you can play in this league without great corners anymore. I just really don't think you can. And they have a duo in Trent McDuffie and LJ Sneed that are just maybe the best duo in football. But it's not just the two of them that stood out to you in that AFC title game. No, it was Jalen Watson. It was Joshua Williams. It was all of them, all four of them. Uh, Justin Reed at certain times, I mean, they used him to blitz quite a bit. But, you know, they, they basically were on an island against Odell Beckham and Zay Flowers and Rashad Bateman and Nelson Aguilar. And they took shots to all those guys down the field, Lamar did. And they defended every one of those deep shots outside of 
one where there was a little bit of a breakdown. But, you know, they've got length. They challenge the receivers. They have all year. If they have to play on the island, mm. they seem like they're just fine with the James. We saw them all warming up before the game. Spags doesn't like this at all. But they all have that T-shirt on. And Spags, we trust. I, I hit Spags up. I'm like, I need one of those T-shirts, Spags. And he goes, I hate those shirts. I want to get rid of them. Because, you know, it brings attention to them. But that's what the <laughs> players feel about them. You know, because, uh, honestly, you know, even going back to last year, guys, I mean, for those guys I just mentioned, I mean, they were rookies a year ago. Yep. And they're all on the field. And mm-hmm. you go, how many coaches could get four rookies in the secondary up to speed you know, in, in a rookie season and play in a Super Bowl and play well in a Super Bowl. I mean, those guys are all like, you know, like they're all in the front row. They're all, you know, they must all be taking notes because they don't break down on the back end. They're very, mm-hmm. very sound at what they do. And so as much as they do, which is a lot, they don't break down. And that, that's a great uh, testimony to Spags' teaching. And Baldy, they're great open field tacklers, which is a lost skill with some teams in today's game. And that's going to be crucial because we know the catch-and-run ability of Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle yep. and guys like that. But let's take it to the 49ers because you noticed something on film about the interior of their defense. Remember, I was texting you during the game like the Lions' offensive line is putting on a beatdown clinic. What did you see that, that kind of got your attention about the interior play of their defensive front that's got to get better? Well, I mean, first of all, they didn't get off block, Steve. Okay, so you're not you're not beating blocks. You got to play fast. You got to defeat blocks. And I I thought they were catching blocks and not defeating them. That that comes down to a couple basic things. You know, it's it's playing with low pad level. Uh, it's stacking and shedding. Like I didn't think they were good at it. And then like I and you could say say any name at defensive tackle, whether it was Kinlaw or Hargrave or Armstead or Gibbons. I didn't think any of them played well in the first half. I didn't think they were getting off blocks. I think I thought they were on the ground too much. Uh, and I don't think Chase played particularly well either. No. So I think they all have room. And then the other part, though, not because they weren't playing. They didn't have good run fits either. I mean, Fred Warner's going this way. Oren Burks is going this way. And there's David Montgomery going, you know, right down the 101 freeway for 15 <laughs> yards. So I thought the run fits have to get a lot better before Super Bowl Sunday because Isaiah Pacheco has proven. And the interior of that, Kansas City Chiefs uh, offensive line with Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith and Allegretti. We, we've seen that they're not afraid to go pound the ball no. in the belly of any defense. And so I would use last week's championship game as a training ground to saying this is not how we're playing Super Bowl Sunday. Baldy, with that said, we were all curious with Nick Allegretti. You brought him up. He fills in for Joe Tooney the all-pro at left guard. I think we were all wondering how that was going to hold up in this AFC title game, and now we're curious how that goes into the Super Bowl. You know you're going to get max effort from Nick Allegretti. You know you're going to get unreal effort from him. What did you see from his performance, though? Because he's probably going to have to do it again. I I didn't see a drop-off. I did not see a drop-off. They still ran the same power plays where they're pulling him like they would Tooney uh, up into the line of scrimmage. Uh, the, The combo blocks with Donovan Smith were solid. I thought in his pass protection inside against some massive people, you know, uh, that they have for Baltimore, mm-hmm. I thought he was solid. And really, I, sometimes you see a real drop-off when you go from the starter to the backup because Nick can fill in a tackle. He can fill in a guard. I thought his play was that of a starting quality. And that's a, that's a credit to what they're doing in Kansas City that where there was not a drop-off at left guard. Well, let's listen to these quarterbacks for a little bit because – I do think there is a shared quality in both of them, and I don't think it gets talked about enough with the real MVP, Brock Purdy, as much as we talk about it with Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> and that's, that's the killer, that they have got that killer gene. And you saw with Purdy last year, like he is a finisher, um, and we know Patrick. I mean, he, he seen, he's shown it more this year than I think we've ever seen it. Let's start with Mahomes and just about what you see in his eyes, like, you know, that – finish him type of mentality. So me and James were down the field. Chiefs are warming up, Steve. Uh, you could take any game that the Chiefs play. Their routine is exactly the same. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, if it's a misty rain in Baltimore and 35 degrees or it's 35 below zero in Kansas City. Mahomes comes out in his warm-ups, thir- you know, three hours for kickoff. He yep. sits on the bench. He talks to the trainers. 
equipment guys. He's got his routine. About an hour and a half before kickoff, mm-hmm. he just starts throwing passes. It's just ball toss, honestly. And, you know, and they're all running the route tree. They're running every route. In fact, the route that Kelsey scored on, the, the little wheel, the out and up against uh, Hamilton, they ran that route in pregame warm-up five or six times. And they do it every game. And my point, Steve, is like there's just this relaxed feel about how Mahomes throws. It's, it's nothing new. It, it, it's exactly the way he throws the ball in pregame warm-up and probably how he does in practice all week. It's a relaxed feel. He puts the ball right where he's got to put it. He's deadly accurate, and he doesn't have to think about it. It's just from, it just, you know, it's, it's it, the, the mother of invention is just repetition, right? So that's what they do. They just rep these plays out over and over again. And when you get to the game, it's just what they did in pregame warm-up. He's a silent assassin, James. Like, this guy has, and, and the, the similarity, Steve and James, to, to your question, is they both play with no fear. And we all seen Mahomes go through stretches in his career where he throws interceptions and maybe they lose a the game, maybe they come back and win it. But, you know, they, and, and we've seen Purdy go through little stretches where the ball is, you know, being caught by the other team. It never affects them. They come back even stronger the next series and they, they flush it. It doesn't stay with them. And then those throws in the middle of the field that San Francisco loves. It reminds me of Kurt Warner and the greatest show on turf to those receivers. Those dig routes in the middle of the field, a lot of quarterbacks don't want to make those throws because those throws can get tipped. Those throws can be intercepted. Those throws are into the, you know, the jaws of uh, the den of the lion. He loves those throws, and he layers them as well as any quarterback in this league. And that throw that he made early in the third quarter to Debo across oh, the middle – right in the teeth of that line zone. Like, he mm. dropped that fifth that fifth step. He hitched, and he just let that thing fly with not one ounce of fear that he was putting that ball right on a tee to Tebow, and it was – and he's just running with it full speed on a catch. It, it's just I, – I, I, he's this island assassin. Like, I can't wait for the matchup. All right, Baldy. Hey, man, we appreciate you. We are going to have you back on next week before we get ready to rock and roll. Have fun in Las Vegas. We will, too. Enjoy the bye week while you'll be doing the Senior Bowl. We always appreciate you. Yeah. Well, Baldy, thanks again, man. Appreciate you, brother. Okay. Yep. See you out in Las Vegas, guys. Take care. Lions running back Jameer Gibbs is no longer in the playoffs, but he was dealing. Jeff Chadia, Owen James, and I are going to be handing out the postseason hardware. Does Gibbs get some? Stay tuned for the NFL Report. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The statement has been made for the MVP of the National Football League. MVP! Say it with me! Lamar has certainly set himself up to win the MVP. Prescott, what a throw and what a catch. Pull that up, put on the game. CMC! CMC blowing it up! Josh Allen, the beast, has been released! Brock Purdy. Mr. Relevant! Down and Purdy, baby! Let's go! That is what you call an explosive offense. Touchdown, Lamar! This guy right here could win the MVP. All right, Dave, now we're doing by Jeff Tania. And gentlemen, we saw that montage of great efforts in a week from today at NFL Honors. We're going to find out who the regular season MVPs are. And Jeff, all week long in your first read column, you would chronicle them, change them, listen to us about Brock Purdy sometimes. But let's yeah. kind of touch on, <laughs> Among let's others. kind of hit on our postseason award winners. And let's start out with this. We're going to go right to the MVP, and most people think it will be Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson. But, Jeff, who has been the postseason MVP? For me, I'm going with Travis Kelsey. And I know ah, tight ends ooh. don't often get this kind of love. I can't think of tight end ever being the MVP of anything. But you look at the numbers he's put up. He's found the fountain of youth. He had one touchdown catch in his last nine games. He had 88 receiving yards in his last three games in the regular season, but he has been the mainstay of this Chiefs offense 
throughout the postseason. The way he played against the Ravens, top-ranked defense, touchdown out of the gate in the first drive. He's driving the bus again for the Kansas City Chiefs offense, and that's a big deal for this team. I'm sticking to the rules of the MVP, Jeff, which means it's a quarterback award. I'm going to go with Brock Purdy as the MVP of the postseason because the Niners are not in the Super Bowl without Steve's guy, Brock Purdy. And it's not because he's done what we've seen him do in the past. It's because we saw the improvisational skills. We saw the legs. He was ad-libbing, breaking tackles, making plays, creating things that we really haven't seen too much of Brock Purdy. You look at the two games against the Packers and the Lions. They were outgained rushing the football dramatically, really, especially against the Packers, and then outgained running the football against the Lions, Steve, and they end up having to put this game on Brock Purdy's shoulders both times, coming from behind. Purdy, I know you love it. That's my MVP of the postseason. So I do love it. I love that guy, but I'm not going to be long here because mine's a mic drop. The MVP of the postseason has been Chiefs cornerback, Legereus Sneed. He has shut down. Ooh. He has shut down opponents. He has been the best player on the field, no matter who they've played. Hey, anybody here in opposing wide receiver get down? Didn't think so. Mike drop the MVP of the postseason, Legereus Sneed. Okay. Okay. Guess drop. what? Also, Matthew Stafford only played one game. And I thought Matthew Stafford maybe had the best quarterback performance of the postseason. He was phenomenal in that loss to the Lions. All right, let's go to coordinator. Of the postseason, Jeff, best performance by a coordinator in the postseason so far is who? Well, I'm following up with that Chiefs reference with the guy who calls the plays for the Chiefs on defense, Steve Spagnolo, and he has been white hot in the postseason. Yes. And look at again how he discombobulated Lamar Jackson in that Ravens game. He looked at what he had set up for Josh Allen. Obviously, the two attack of a lower thing was affected by the weather, but again. Tua did nothing mm-hmm. in that contest. Steve Spagnuolo has been, outside of Mike McDonald, the best coordinator in football this entire year, and he's showing it again why he's getting, he's getting it done with great players mm-hmm. but also great schemes, Steve. It, it's, really, it's really hard to go against Spags, but I'm going to go against Spags because I think Ben Johnson <laughs> I think Ben Johnson for the Detroit Lions has been the Ooh. best coordinator. Look at this. They played three games, 86 points. Okay, so let's go to only two games, 62 points. Okay, and then had had some of the receivers mm. held on to some of those third and fourth down opportunities that they went. They might have had more. I think what Ben Johnson has done, and salute to him for staying to your hometown Lions, Jeff, um, I think he has been just as exceptional as Steve Spagnola. I'm going to go with uh, a little outside of the box here. You know that 49ers do not have an offensive coordinator, so I'm going to say Kyle Shanahan is my pick. Even though he's the head coach, there's no OC there in San Francisco. (laughs) Wait, uh, let's talk about another guy just like his quarterback has gotten over the hump, Steve, late in games. Kyle Shanahan has been very methodical playing these games out, not panicking in the second half. Everybody's been evaluating his coaching and evaluating his gameplay in the second half of these games. He's been very patient, sticking with the run, finding ways to come from behind. Kyle Shanahan, the head coach and offensive coordinator for the 49ers. All right, most of us believe that Texans quarterback, C.J. Stroud, will be the offensive rookie of the year. But, Jeff, who is the postseason offensive rookie of the year? Well, I'm going to the Lions for this one because Stroud didn't do anything. It is one playoff game. Jameer Gibbs has <laughs> no. been on fire. And even in that loss to San Francisco, oh. he was still doing incredible stuff. And I think about that run he had against Tampa Bay where he just broke into the secondary and caught Antoine, Antoine Winfield flat-footed and just took off right past him. Everybody was talking about how Brad Holmes was crazy, the Lions general manager for right. drafting a running back 12th overall. Guess what? It was the right choice. I love it. I'm going with Rasheed Rice with the Kansas City okay. Chiefs. He has more receiving yards, receptions, and receiving touchdowns than the rest of the Kansas City Chiefs wide receivers in the postseason combined. And if he has eight catches in the Super Bowl, that would be his third game with eight catches this postseason. That would put him in the likes of, let's see, Julian Edelman, Travis Kelsey, and Cooper Cup. That's it. He has carried this passing game outside of Travis Kelsey for Patrick Mahomes. I love it, Jeff. I'm going to the Lions, but not Jameer Gibbs. I'm going to Sam Laporta. He comes back from the knee injury. The tight end has 21 postseason catches. Again, let's take it down to the final two. 18 catches for 160 yards and the divisional and conference championship. The rookie tight end, again, coming back from that knee injury, showed up and showed out in the two biggest games. All right, let's go with Defensive Player of the Year. During the regular season, all three of us are saying it is T.J. Watt, the Defensive Player of the Year this season. So let's go, Jeff, to the Defensive Player of the Postseason is who? 
Well, I guess this is my mic drop because I'm going to just go back to Steve's MVP, Nigeria <laughs> Sneed. Just redrop it. Jeff, pick it up <laughs> and drop it again. Drop it again. Nigeria Sneed, what Steve said, everything Steve said is right. He made Stefan Diggs disappear. You know, he was obviously giving Zay Flowers some issues in that game to the point where Zay Flowers got a huge taunting penalty in the, in the fourth quarter of mm. that contest. And you talk about what he did against uh, the, the press jam he had on Ty- Tyreek Hill oh, went man. viral. <laughs> so, I mean, this is a guy who probably should have been an all-pro or a pro bowler, and he's showing it why in the postseason. Absolutely. I, I would have said a luxurious need, but big since time. I gave him the big trophy of the MVP, I have to go to Niners linebacker Fred Warner. Now, he did not have a great first half against Detroit, but the way he settled in in the second half and dominated and dominated against the Packers in the divisional round, I have to go Fred Warner, and I think he's going to be an X factor in the Super Bowl as well. I'm going to stick with the Chiefs defense just like Jeff did, but I'm not going with Jerry Sneed. I'm going with the guy who runs that defense, Nick Bolton, in the middle of that group. I had a chance to talk to Steve Spangle in the locker room after that championship game, and he told me he really is the one that makes all of this go. There's very few times he comes to the sideline, and him and I talk it out. He has ideas that I don't go, No, actually, that's very smart. We should run that. And we end up (laughs) running it. He said the only other player mentally, Jeff, that is on par with Nick Bolton he's had in the past, Antonio Pierce, he told me. And he is a head coach right now in the NFL. High praise from Spags for Nick Bolton. All right, let's go to the Offensive Player of the Year. James and I think it's going to be Tyreek Hill when the award is handed out next week. Mm -hmm. Jeff, you think it's Christian McCaffrey? Who is your postseason Offensive Player of the Year? It's McCaffrey again. And yeah. look, it's like we talked about with Brock Purdy in, this, in, this, in those awesome. games in the second half, but they were leaning on Christian McCaffrey a lot in those games as well. <clears throat> and he's, he's shown up. I mean, he's had over 90 yards rushing in both contests, scored touchdowns in both contests, but really he's the engine that makes things, things go and makes things easier for Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan, having that kind of a chess piece that can run and catch and do all these things from different positions on the field. It's, he is the guy hands down. I'll go quick because I have Christian McCaffrey as well. When it's almost a guarantee that you will have two touchdowns a game in the postseason, I think you're playing pretty well. <laughs> yep. Yeah, look, because he didn't get the MVP trophy, because I did give it to Legereus Need, Patrick Mahomes is my offensive player of the postseason. We've seen that killer come back out. He's been absolutely just dynamic. He's been Patrick Mahomes in this offensive role. So got to get to number 15 since he didn't get the MVP. Mm. Okay. I like it. I like it. How about sweetest play of the postseason, Jeff? What was the just the one that just oh, gotcha? Legereus Sneed forced fumble, Zay Flowers the goal line. It changes the entire game. Ravens score that True. touchdown. It's a great whole call. different contest. So it's, there's been other great plays, but that was the one that had the biggest, biggest impact on where the postseason is right now. All right, Jeff, thanks so much, man. We got to wrap it up. That was fun. Again, a week from now at NFL Honors, we will see who gets the real awards, but ours here at the NFL No, these Report. were the real awards. Yeah. These were the real awards. Right. We are the real ones, just like Brock Purdy is the real MVP. When we come back on the NFL Report, some coaching changes, Mike McDonald, Dan Quinn, JP and I will discuss on the NFL Report. Hey, it's James Palmer, and you're listening to the NFL Report podcast along with myself and Steve Weish. But remember, if you want to see our beautiful faces, this is a show at 7.15 Monday and Thursday. That's 7.15 p.m. Eastern, and we are on the NFL app, as well as fast streaming platforms. That's Tubi, that's Roku, that's Pluto, that's Peacock, all of those platforms, as well as the NFL.com slash NFL channel. Find us all of those spots. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome back to the NFL Report. James Palmer, Steve Weich with you once again. And Steve, as we finish this out, there are the last two head coach openings have been filled. Mike McDonald is the new head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. And you have Dan Quinn, DQ, heading to our nation's capital to run the ship 
with the Commanders. You have an interesting inside look at both of these. What's one thing that stands out with you with both hires? Well, first off, we've got some defensive coaches. More defensive coaches getting head coaching jobs, probably more than we've seen in the past few cycles. Let's go to Washington first with Dan Quinn. Now, everyone, including us, thought that Ben Johnson from the Lions would be the guy. He opts to stay in Detroit. So Dan Quinn, he is a culture builder. You talk to anybody with the Cowboys, Mm -hmm. he is the reason why so many players love being on that team. That's what they need with new ownership and a team in transition. They got the number two pick to get a quarterback and cap space to get some edge rushers for the two that they let go. Now let's go to Mike McDonald in Seattle. And this is interesting because we know the Ravens defensive coordinator, he was a hot candidate. But who are the teams that really did numbers on people? The Shanahan and McVay tree. Oh, but not on McDonald. He has, he, I guess, coaches with that Shanahan McVay tree. And that's Sean McVay, Brandon Staley, Zach Taylor, Robert Sala, uh, Mike McDaniel, you know, Matt LaFleur. He has a nine and three record. So Mm. those are the teams that are leading the NFC West. Well, now you're bringing the Shanahan McVay tree lumberjack, JP, into the division. (laughs) This will be good, but, you know, they got to get a quarterback too. I love it. I love it. I'm going to talk about two guys here that didn't land a head coaching job, and maybe they're going to be two of the hottest guys coming in in the 2025 cycle, and that's going to be Ben Johnson, who pulled his name out for the second year second in a row year. in terms of not being available. He got a big raise, and he's, you know, when he did it last year, Steve, and then he does it again this season. I don't think he takes a step back by any stretch. They had such a young offense, so many rookies contributed, and they're going to be a year older, and they may even be more dynamic as an offense. But what's fascinating with this is, You don't stay the hot guy. It's an interesting take as we look at Ben Johnson, what I just said. But you don't stay the hot candidate (laughs) forever. And how long is he going to wait? Sometimes these things don't last as long as you think as being the guy everybody desires to be their next head coach. And the other one is Bobby Slowick, who's going back to Houston. He's almost doing everything that we saw Ben Johnson do a year ago, Steve. He gets a massive raise, to my understanding, to remain the offensive coordinator for rookie phenom C.J. Stroud. And now Stroud doesn't have to go through some things that we've seen guys like Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or or Jalen Hurts go through, which is a new play caller and offensive coordinator in their second season. He gets to remain there with C.J. Stroud. This not only benefits, I think, Slowick, as he's a younger guy, this was his first dip in the water in terms of these interviews, but also benefits the Houston Texans and their star quarterback, C.J. Stroud. Yeah, those are great points because you talk to people who are in the interview process. Someone said Slowick was probably a year out, um, but we'll see. He's got all mm-hmm. that talent. And then Ben Johnson, like you said, we've seen many coaches in the past say, you know, I'm not going to go to certain situations. And next thing you know, we never hear from them again because they're not yep. the hot guy. Coming up, JP, we do not have we, love hot guy. We, we do not have an NFL report on Monday. Boo-hoo, boo-hoo. But we will have a special one from Las Vegas at the Super Bowl. Now remember, we're typically are on Mondays and Thursdays at 7.15 p.m. on Roku, Tubi, the NFL app, Peacock, Pluto, you name it. We're also a podcast, JP. Hey, JP, you got the great assignment. You get to watch the Chiefs plane land, right? Oh, yeah, I'll be at the airport just kind of stalking everybody out. But those two are sharp-dressed men that are going to be walking the strip in Vegas next week. We got a monster show for you from Vegas. Hot guys. Watch it. Listen to it. All of it. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.